The emergence of COVID-19 has forced the legal industry to rapidly undergo a fundamental transformation. I'm Jack Newton, CEO and co-founder of Clio, the world's leading cloud-based legal software provider. In each episode of Daily Matters, we'll explore what this new normal means for law firms, how legal professionals can find success while working remotely, and how lawyers can best serve their clients during this unprecedented situation. On today's episode, we welcome Cynthia Morgan-Reed, who is the founder and CEO of Vance Law, a virtual law firm focused on changing the culture in legal and the winner of the 2019 Reisman Award for Best New Law Firm. Cynthia, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Cynthia, first and foremost, how are you and your family doing? <laughs> we are healthy and safe, which is the most important aspect of this, obviously, and I hope you are and your family as well. I think uh, one of the thoughts I've had throughout this interesting time is, you know, the sung heroes are going to be those medical uh, response folks and the frontline folks like the grocery store workers and so forth who are out there every day making mm -hmm. sure that we can stay home and be healthy and safe. The unsung heroes are going to be those people like myself, my husband, and, and many of my colleagues who are home as parents as well. And um, those folks that will make it out of this alive after homeschooling and parenting children uh, with some amount of sanity will be the unsung heroes. Yeah, well, as a, a father of three uh, school-age kids, I, I feel your pain. Uh, my <laughs> wife and I both have uh, full-time jobs and, and at that, you know, often more than full-time jobs. So feel like we've got uh, a lot going on. So I, I sympathize with you, uh, with you there. Um, uh, and tell us a little bit more about maybe where you're, you're situated um, and, and what's going on in terms of shelter in place and, and, and are we starting to see any return to, to quote unquote normalcy in, in, in your neck of the woods? Uh, and, and, and finally, tell us what, what's on your mind most right now. Sure. So I'm in San Diego, California, and as you know, I'm a virtual firm. So I've been working from home going on many years now because prior to founding Vance, I was a solo who worked from home as well. Uh, here in San Diego, we're very fortunate. We have not been as hard hit by the pandemic as I think many other locations like Seattle and New York City and San Francisco have been. Um, they just started opening up our parks again, which is great, but uh, there's so many restrictions on that opening that really all you can do is walk through the park or run through the park. <laughs> Can't really go on playground equipment and things like that. So, you know, my main focus right now, as ever since this pandemic has started, has been really my family and making sure we're healthy, we're safe. Um, the children are keeping up as much as possible with school and keeping to a routine and making them feel healthy and safe um, and not worrying them. I'm, I'm somewhat fortunate. My two children are five and two and a half. So they actually haven't questioned at all uh, why they haven't gone back to school yet or, you know, what's going on. Um, but obviously the five and five-year-old is a little more astute and she sees people wearing masks. Uh, she understands that she can't go to school even if she wanted to uh, and she can't see her friends. So, you know, all those things are, are issues we're dealing with, but all in all, we feel very fortunate. They feel like they're just on a, a super long spring break. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think so. You know, I was thinking about that in the context of my own kids where uh, you know, I, I think they understand they're, they're a little bit older, they're 11, nine and seven. Uh, and I, they understand 
what COVID-19 is. They, you know, they're, they're scared of the coronavirus. They, they understand the magnitude of what's going on. But I don't think they understand how rare this is. You know, the fact this is not just once in a lifetime, but once in a, you know, thousand years kind of episode for, for humankind is, is lost on them. And I think they think this is the kind of thing that might happen every nine or 10 years, you know, so right. it's, uh, and uh, it, maybe it is, maybe the new highly connected, you know, global uh, community that we have, uh, we will see this uh, more often. And, and I certainly hope we're, we're better prepared for the next pandemic. Um, Cynthia, shifting gears a little bit, uh, tell us a little bit about the, the Vance Law story, which was, you know, I believe founded as a, a virtual firm. This is something you, you had the, uh, the vision, I think, of delivering legal services in a, in a virtual way uh, very early. And, and there's many of our listeners that are all of a sudden foisted into the, the world of being a virtual law firm. Tell us a little bit about the story of founding Vance Law and, and we'll, we'll go from there. Sure. So I had mentioned I was a solo. I also had worked in two large regional firms here in San Diego, and I had worked for a national firm prior to that. So I had a lot of different experiences. And prior to becoming a solo, and I became a solo, frankly, because I got frustrated uh, with the income I was making, the pay structure for that firm I was at, um, and I was just about to have my first child. So, you know, all of those considerations really factored into me leaving with my book of business and creating a solo practice. And I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed the solo practice. And it's interesting when I interview folks, a lot of them are either considering going into a virtual firm or becoming a solo. And I understand very well that decision because it is an interesting decision to make. You know, do I become my own boss um, or do I go into a virtual firm? And after being a solo for about three and a half years and being very successful at it and enjoying it, I realized there were some aspects to being a solo that I felt were not conducive to me. One of those was the fact that you don't have a lot of other folks to talk to and bounce ideas off of. And, you know, and so I missed that sort of camaraderie, if you will, and that collegiality. And then the other issue was I was obviously as a solo only able to manage certain types of cases, which were in my practice area as a land use and real estate attorney. And so I had litigation and other types of cases that I had to refer out. And I thought, you know, I don't enjoy that. I'd rather keep those within my firm and obviously benefit from that opportunity. So that led to me looking around and frankly saying, how can I create a better model? Um, I didn't want to do a traditional model because I myself had been frustrated by it in many different capacities. And so I read an article about virtual firms and thought, hey, you know, I think this is the future. Um, And I think it's a future because when you look at attorneys who are interested in making a change, traditional firms, and that's why I refer to as brick and mortar type Mm -hmm. businesses, are growing at a rate of anywhere from two to seven percent in new attorney growth every year. And virtual firms are growing at 250 to a thousand percent every year. Oh, really? I didn't know that that stat. That's fascinating. It is fascinating, right? Uh, And I think we're all now in this current situation getting a taste of what that looks like. And it's it's been super interesting because, again, when I've talked to people in the past, they're like, oh, you know, virtual, that sounds interesting. I just know I could not work from home. And I think I'm going to get a lot fewer of those responses in the future. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And, and give us an idea of, of timeline. What, what was the, the year that you decided I'm going to 
start hiring uh, some additional staff. I'm going to handle uh, a more diverse set of practice areas, and we're going to be a virtual firm. Sure. So it was actually in 2018, uh, and I was somewhat motivated. You know, I think as even people now in the current situation may be motivated by a life change that, that occurred with me. Uh, my mother passed away from leukemia in April of that year. And um, she'd just always been my biggest fan and mm -hmm. biggest supporter. And I thought, you know, I know I can do additional things um, that I think she would, you know, encourage me to do as she always had. And life is too short, right? So let's go after that dream and let's, let's create change within the legal field, which is really what I wanted to do with this model. And so um, by July of that year, I had filed the paperwork and we were off and running by September. That's, uh, well, first of all, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your mother, but uh, glad that it catalyzed this kind of courageous leap that you, uh, you took as a, as a response to that. Um, what have you seen to be some of the advantages of uh, running a virtual firm and, and maybe some of the disadvantages? What have you experienced as some of the, the pros and cons over the last couple of years? Sure. Uh, so virtual has, I think, many advantages, frankly. Um, and it's been interesting, especially in our current situation, to see some of these things playing out. Not just the fact that folks can work from home and they can do so very productively, and there's the technology out there that allows that to happen now, but the environmental aspect has been really fascinating and how quickly we've seen a change in, in the environment. And that's one of the issues that we touted immediately because I am an environmentalist. I believe strongly in the future of our planet. And so um, it's not hard to tell people, hey, you know, would you like to forego a 45-minute one-way commute? Uh, that really makes sense to people, but not everyone is necessarily thinking about the bigger ramifications of that, what you know, carbon monoxide and, and the environment and how it's affected by our commutes. So the fact that you know, they're seeing in areas uh, like San Francisco and New York, huge drops in air pollution, LA specifically as well, I think really bodes well. So that was something that didn't surprise me and that I feel is very advantageous. Um, and then I think the disadvantages is you know, there is always a sense of, uh, you know, what am I missing out on if I'm not in an office environment, if I'm not able to walk down the hall and talk to somebody. And so one of the things that I think is really important if you're considering a virtual law firm or, or practicing virtually is that you make sure you stay connected with the other attorneys in your firm, with other colleagues, uh, get yourself out there. It's really yeah. easy, you know, um, especially as we've seen with Everyone who's broadcasting from home now, you know, uh, there's more relaxed clothing, <laughs> there's less fuss about hair and makeup, and, uh, you know, those are things that you really do need to do and get out and, and, you know, stay involved and stay connected because those are important for mental health, as I think we're all uh, also realizing. Right. I, I, I think the, you know, it's a thread we can, we can pull out a little bit, the, the mental health aspect of, I, I think, the isolation many people feel. Uh, from a work from home environment uh, is is maybe one of the bigger hurdles and one of the you know may, maybe fundamentally intractable problems you know I, I think as human beings all the way back to gathering around a campfire uh, you know we've we've always been social animals and Zoom does something to bridge that gap but it's not the not quite the same so can you tell us a little bit about what you've done and maybe experimented with to to eliminate that. Uh, that feeling of isolation that working from home can bring? 
Sure. So what I would recommend to folks is make sure you have the ability not just to get on the phone with people, but to actually see them. And mm -hmm. for us, it's a little bit easier because we are all located in San Diego. But even if you're not all located in the same area, you know, make sure that you're not just emailing that in that situation, you are getting on the phone and you're picking up that phone and you're talking to people and you're having those conversations. Um, Zoom obviously is a good opportunity, Google meetups and things like that to get on a video call and, and see each other and get a feel for body language. Uh, I also think it's really important when you can to do meetings. And I've talked with other virtual firm leaders as well, and um, they also believe that that's really imperative. You know, uh, it's an interesting time to be hiring people right now because you're thinking about potentially hiring someone you might not have met yet um, in person. And so, you know, most virtual firms in those situations do want to go out and, and obviously meet with the person and face to face and have that connection. Um, and I think that can't be um, the importance of that can't be dissuaded because we one of the things we do is have quarterly meetings. Um, where we're all getting together and seeing each other and making sure that we do feel connected and have and that that's an that's an in-person meeting yes. to be clear so right so so, so yeah I, I think i've i've seen you know there's several technology companies i i follow like uh, zapier for example that is a, a fully distributed team of actually over uh, a few hundred people um and it feels like one of the common threads you see with purely distributed companies is this Sometimes it's annual, sometimes it's quarterly, but this ceremony of bringing everyone together and just underscoring that, you know, that need for, for in-person connection. Um, that's a great perspective on, on, you know, helping create that social connectedness. Um, when you, when you started a virtual firm, um, I'm, I'm sure you didn't picture the, the COVID-19 situation as being one of the places that it might, or if you did, it was especially prescient, but uh, um, you know, I, I think there's many firms that went virtual, uh, you know, and didn't anticipate the the global pandemic that is COVID nineteen, uh, and and are now maybe operating in a more capable way than many of the law firms that were foisted into that position unexpectedly. Uh, can you tell us what has changed and maybe what stayed the same in terms of your law firm and how you're operating on on this side of the the pandemic is is it just business as usual for you or are you seeing structural changes in, in even how clients are trying to reach you tell us a little bit about what what has changed for a virtual firm in this environment sure so it is pretty much business as usual because we've been operating in a virtual capacity I'm not sure that that's true for all virtual firms, but I think for ours, it has, we've been ready for it. We, we can embrace it and we have embraced it. And um, it's funny because I've gotten actually kudos from other colleagues of mine who aren't in a virtual firm. They're like, wow, you were ahead of the curve. You know, you, right. you had prepared for something like this. I wish I had been that present, but you know, it's nice to know that we're, we're in a situation where that's appreciated. Um, I do think, though, one of the things I've noticed with clients is, um, and, and maybe this is just due, obviously, to everyone being in a similar situation, is they're more willing to get on a conference call or a Zoom or a video call. And we anticipated that when we found Advanced. Um, we had signed up for Zoom early and thought, okay, this will be a way in which we may want to not only communicate amongst ourselves, but with clients, because we wanted to ensure that clients didn't feel uncomfortable dealing with a virtual firm where they may not be meeting us, right? They may just sign right. up with us without that. 
and we didn't have client, you know, clients were fine and, and satisfied with talking with us on the phone. And I'm seeing now clients are uh, less reticent to use video conferencing. And I think that's because we're all using it, right? We're all sort of forced yep. in that situation. Yeah, it feels I've, I've heard several of the guests on, on this podcast comment to the effect that not only are lawyers more willing to experiment with new things, but clients are as well. People are just kind of in a let's figure this out kind of mode. And if what they would have preferred to be an in-person meeting is a, a Zoom call, they're, they're going to roll with it. And, and you, you made a comment earlier around people discovering maybe things about themselves like, oh, I can get work done from, from home. And I think we're seeing many clients start to realize that, oh, this is actually a better way of interacting with my, uh, with my lawyer. Um, and, and, and so can you, walking back to 2018, when you decided to, to found the, this virtual firm, can you tell us what your playbook looked like? How did you approach actually you know, growing the, the firm, recruiting the additional lawyers to the firm and building out the infrastructure for the firm, both from a technology perspective, but maybe also from a, a lead gen perspective, where were you going to be getting your, your clients? How did you think about uh, the, the service delivery model to your clients? Would love to just get a bit of a walkthrough of, of how you architected what advanced law would be. Sure. So technology was definitely the most important aspect of what we wanted to achieve and and provide, you know, to our clients. And um, having worked in a number of different law firms, I, I knew lawyers are not necessarily good with technology unless they're well trained on it and feel comfortable with it. And I think clients are similarly situated. So one of the first things we wanted to do was make sure we had the right client software, which, of course, we found through Clio and then a document management system as well. Um, and both of those had to be cloud-based. That was, that was mm -hmm. a non-negotiable issue because obviously for the virtual nature of the firm, we wanted to all be connected through the cloud. You know, I think the other interesting thing about, and I'm thinking in terms of this being addressed to folks who might be considering a virtual firm, is as you're creating a playbook or a business plan, try not to be too rigid. And I think that's another thing that we attorneys are really good at. We're very, uh, you know, uh, conservative and risk adverse. And that's obviously by our training and somewhat by our nature. Right. But I think it's important for attorneys to really understand that it's not really just a law firm you're starting. You're also doing, you're in a startup, right? And you have to think like a startup. And so you have to be strategic and you have to be fluid and you have to be flexible. And so, you know, it's interesting you ask that question, hey, what did you think of when you started it? And then obviously, you know, the next question would be, how's that all turned out? Right. And I think that a lot of the things we thought of in terms of technology and making sure we had a good grounding and different softwares and programs and processes has played out well. I think what's been interesting is the dynamic nature of a virtual firm. And I've been, you know, I've looked to other virtual firms that have come before me that are larger than me. And I've seen in their capacity them also flex and um, sort of bob and weave, if you will, and make sure that they're like a startup continually reinventing and tweaking to make sure that they're addressing not only the needs of their clients, but obviously the needs of the attorneys as well. And so I think from that perspective of playbook, you have to make sure you're open and open-minded. I 100% agree. And, and I want to dig in there a little bit. When, you're, when you talk about being uh, entrepreneurial, basically, I, I think this is a really important skill set if you're looking to 
do something innovative in, in law and certainly being virtual. And I, I think almost by definition, every lawyer that is going to survive and maybe thrive through this crisis has got to be innovative at some level. That means being entrepreneurial. Um, what was it in your background or training or exposure that gave you this entrepreneurial streak? Because I, I do think there's, there's many lawyers that, uh, you know, want to kind of paint within the, the lines and, and there's a lot about the training. I, I agree with you of becoming a lawyer that trains you to think about downside risk, trains you to be risk averse, trains you to uh, adhere to precedents and, and being entrepreneurial, starting something like a virtual law firm runs counter to so much of that training. What, what helped you overcome that? And did you, you know, listen to certain folks, read books or, or get exposed to this entrepreneurial mindset in a, in another context? Uh, you know, I'd love to say that, you know, I've, I've been mentored or I've, I've read books or um, sort of followed a particular philosophy, but I think it's just something that is ingrained in me. And I think mm -hmm. it is in most people, whether you're entrepreneurial or not. And it's not to say you can't learn to do so. I think you can. Um, but for me, I've literally been working and owning my own businesses since I was about 10 years old. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that sounds funny, but um, that's just how I've always been. I've always been a really hard worker. I've always been entrepreneurial. I've always wanted to figure out how I could do something more efficiently, faster, better, um, longer. And so I think when I found myself in these more what I characterize as traditional law firms, I felt very stifled. And I felt that, you know, not necessarily that I could do it better, but I didn't always think that the law firms were making the decisions that were always the best. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's been interesting as we've been growing and I've been talking to recruiters and working with recruiters, you know, I want to find the attorneys that are the same attorneys all traditional firms want to find. However, the very interesting piece that's much different for a virtual firm versus a traditional firm is finding an attorney that is also entrepreneurial. That is the key ingredient in my perspective, because if you, you know, aren't someone who enjoys being entrepreneurial, you're not going to survive long in a virtual firm. And tell us what some of that looks like. What, what does, you know, entrepreneurial is a bit of a amorphous concept. What, what do you look for? Like when you're interviewing a candidate, what helps tell you that they are entrepreneurial? Grit. Yeah. I think grit is just super important. And, you know, that can be defined in many ways, but it's someone who is tenacious um, someone who can call from within themselves and has strength and strength of body and mind, right? To say, hey, it's not just about going out and cultivating business and, you know, joining different organizations and building my book. Uh, but there's another aspect to that, which is this grit. And that's someone who, you know, I guess best as we describe in the American culture, you know, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, right? Kind of thing, right? Yeah. You know, and, and making something out of yourself um, by yourself, which is not, of course, the case at all. We've all had mentors and, you know, supportive family and friends that have helped us get where we are. But I think that grit aspect is the thing that I look for the most. Uh, have you read Angela Duckworth's book called Grit? I am familiar with it. I actually, my dad referred it to me. <laughs> okay. I, I was going to say I, everything you just described, uh, I think you would really uh, enjoy her book and, and yeah. uh, she's, uh, she's fantastic. Um, uh, and I, I'd highly recommend the book to, to anyone listening. And I'm, I'm curious when you, you talked a little bit about the, the playbook that you executed in 
founding the firm and setting it up from a technological perspective. Uh, you've mentioned a couple of the the challenges, like like dealing with with isolation uh, in in working from home. Were there other challenges that you encountered in founding Vance Law and, and moving virtual that uh, you, you could share with our listeners? Sure. I think it's hard for attorneys to truly understand what virtual means. And virtual means different things for different virtual firms. So I get that. But I think it's important. And this is, you know, the perspective that everyone should have, no matter whether they're considering transitioning into a solo practice or a different traditional firm or a virtual firm is to make sure you're asking all the questions you feel is appropriate. I think um, from the perspective of a founder and a, as someone who hires attorneys, it's been interesting to hire attorneys and to tell them what you think uh, is clearly how a virtual firm operates and what the expectations are. Um, and then to hear regurgitated back, uh, you know, at some different time from that attorney, what their perspective is on that. And so I think that's really important that it's a, not only a different mindset, right, that you have to have that entrepreneurial aspect to you, but it's also a different way of practicing. It's not the same as a traditional firm. And I don't mean just by working from home. I mean, there has to be this embracing of technology. Uh, there has to be an ability to uh, not let self-isolation um, affect you in any sort of way mm -hmm. that you know is affecting your practice and I think you have to be um, open in a mindset of hey we're in a startup kind of situation here um, we're figuring all this out we're going along in our way and virtual is really cool and exciting um, and it's new and so you know we're going to be making tweaks to the system and doing things differently not like a traditional firm where they have the same partnership agreement for 20 years and right. it seems to work and everyone's you know I look at it in a more dynamic context than that. And I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. That And a lot of this seems to boil down to the people side of things, getting people that are adaptable, entrepreneurial, and are excited about this new world. And there's going to be some traditionalists that you'll probably refer to uh, um, a more traditional bricks and mortar firm, or, and that's the kind of environment they, they'll really um, survive in. Um, now, now let's talk about the advice you might share to the, you know, hundreds of thousands of law firms in North America that, and, and around the world that are all of a sudden virtual firms, uh, because of the, the COVID-19 situation. Are there, is there some practical advice you can, you can share in terms of, uh, how they might adapt to this new reality and some, some pro tips as a, you know, seasoned operator of a virtual law firm that you might be able to, to share with our audience? I think they're probably finding those tips along the way already in that, you know, they're having to adapt and allowing people to work from home. I guess I would say to that, don't be afraid of what that means after the pandemic has passed, right? right. You know, if people are more confident and they're being just as productive and um, just as reliable at working from home as they were prior, don't re-implement this requirement that you have to have FaceTime and you have to be in the office so many days a week. I mean, I hear that all the time from folks like, oh, I had to be on this committee and I had to you know, participate in this function and I had to be at the, the office at least four days a week. And I just, you know, I just don't think that's necessary. And I think people are clearly seeing that there's the opportunity to work in a different way and embrace that. 
you know, the other thing I would say that is part of the mantra of my particular firm is pay people what they're worth. And I know a lot of firms are making cutbacks right now, traditional firms, reducing salaries, furloughing people. And I think it's really critical for them as they move into the future to look at why they had to make those cuts. And I'm confident that many of those cuts are due to the fact that they have such high overhead. And, you know, there is now the ability to have not just by working virtually, but by adopting technologies and by implementing, uh, you know, responsible measures into how you're governing your law firm that will allow you to cut costs and cut out mm -hmm. a lot of overhead. You know, I, I joke about the fact that one firm I worked at, I decided to leave that firm because I was quite frankly tired of paying for the equity partners country club memberships. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's still the way many traditional firms may want to work. I'm not sure that in this brave new world, most people are going to continue to put up with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I fully agree. And, and, and let's again, talk about the people side of things, you know, the, this managing people remotely. And I, I share your optimism. I hope that uh, many firms have had a light bulb go off over the course of the last month, realizing I can trust people. I can trust people to work from home. I can, measure people in a different way, which is maybe looking at their output rather than the, the number of hours their bums in their seat at their desk. All, all of these things I think are uh, what I've heard firsthand from many of our, our customers that they've been going through this realization. And I do think it's going to have a permanent impact on, on how they approach running their law firm on the other side of this, uh, this crisis. Um, and I'm, I'm curious what practical tips you might have for managing uh, a remote team. If there's any, anything you've established in terms of, of ceremonies, processes, uh, check-ins that, that really have helped you manage a remote team. Sure. I, I think obviously, first of all, as we've mentioned already, making sure you're hiring the right type of person um, that's going to be someone who embraces the model. I think the second thing that's really important is, again, communication. Communicate, communicate, and more communicate. Um, and mm -hmm. doing that through, you know, apps like Slack, which is one of the apps that we use. We check in every Monday, say, hey, what we did over the weekend, share a photo, you know, make sure we're all feeling that we're connected in some way. Obviously, as well, you know, by referring work to other attorneys in the firm, you, you have those relationships. So, you know, in my opinion, I think it's important to have a model where you are rewarding attorneys for bringing work in and obviously referring that work and not creating silos. I know mm -hmm. there's a perception out there that a lot of virtual firms are just solos uh, that are in silos that have, you know, a liability insurance umbrella over them. And that's definitely not the case in my firm. And I strategically did not want it to be that situation because I feel it's very important that when you're bringing work in and sharing that work and giving work off to other attorneys, um, you're vested, you know, and you're right. hopefully rewarded as well, which I think is important. So um, making sure, again, just as much communication as possible and supporting of each other. Um, you know, one of the things we talk about is when we're hiring people, we are often faced with folks who will say things like, well, you know, I would prefer to be the, um, the lead employment attorney at your firm. You know, I, I don't know that you really need, you know, more employment attorneys than me or, you know, different things about that. And, and there's this perception as we're all familiar with having worked in firms that, you know, you want to be the top dog at your firm. You want to be the one that's getting all of those types of cases that you're practicing in. And what we say is we're not here to fight over the pie. We're here to make more pie. Right. And, 
you know, there's plenty for everyone. We don't have to fight over crumbs. So I think that kind of attitude of generosity is really important as well. Uh, speaking of mindsets, it's, it's, it's more of a growth mindset than a fixed mindset when you're, you're coming to solving problems. And I, I think there's a lot of law firms that work with this zero sum game fixed mindset around how to grow their firm. And if you take a, this growth mindset, if you think about ways you can, um, you know, grow the firm, think a little bit of outside the box, create a new reality for yourself. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty empowering. Shifting gears a little bit, Cynthia, I'd love for you to tell us about your firm's mission, uh, which is changing the culture one attorney at a time. What's the vision for Vanced and what's the impact that you hope to have on legal? Sure. So I think, you know, our vision is similar to most other virtual firms' visions in that um, whether or not they have the same mantra I do, but we want to be able to practice law in a different way. And for me, that means that you can practice virtually and you can be productive and you can have great client response to that um, and you can continue to grow as an attorney and, and be a professional. And I think it's really, really important for people to understand that this is a mindset, right? That you can be happy as an attorney, <laughs> which for many people is not a situation they've ever been in. Um, and part of that happiness is based on being paid what you're worth. Um, advanced, we pay people 70% of what they're actually collecting. And I think that's a novel and different experience for most attorneys, which mm -hmm. I find frankly uh, incredible that um, most attorneys are, are not being paid what they're worth. And I think when you put an attorney in that situation and you're giving them consistency in how you're applying the formulas for compensation, uh, you're being transparent with how the firm is um, allocating resources and the, the budget for the firm. And you're, you're allowing people to see that you can operate in a firm and have autonomy as well as happiness that ultimately translates to how you're interacting with your client. And what we would believe is you're, if you're happy, you're making your client happy, you're generally going to have a happier, more professional life. It's a radical concept uh, to, to say that <laughs> attorneys can be happy in their job, but you're, you're showing it's, it's possible. And how do you think of this, this COVID-19 crisis as, as maybe opening up new opportunities for, for changing the profession? Do you see this as a, a catalyzing moment maybe to make your, your vision more widespread? Do you think we'll, we'll see some enduring change in the, the months and years ahead as a result of the, the COVID-19 crisis? You know, I don't know. I'd like to say yes, because I'm an eternal optimist, but um, I think the reality is, is usually not that clear in terms of uh, people's ability to adapt to change. You know, right now we're being forced to adapt. And I think when folks are given their druthers, um, will they'll likely revert back to what they feel comfortable with. So um, I joke, and it was never obviously in a situation like what we're currently experiencing, but I've told people in the past, like, I'm kind of waiting for a recession because I feel that folks will be more attracted to a virtual model um, when there is a recession, when folks aren't being paid what they were used to being paid or the client book may be smaller, but the client book they have is more dependable. Um, and so they want to be in a situation where they're going to be making more money off of that book versus 
being paid a salary from you know what's being determined by the law firm. So um, I obviously didn't think we'd be in this situation, but I hope that there will be changes. And you know, if only the changes that folks have had a chance or an opportunity to sit back and sort of reevaluate their own professional career and say, what does my future look like? What's going to make me happy? What do I now have control of that maybe I didn't think I had control of before? And put themselves into that mindset of, I'm going to go make some steps that will make me happier and better, that I think that would be great. One thought I've had in terms of what the long-term outcomes might be is, do we see a, a blurring of the virtual firm and the more traditional bricks and mortar firm? And you know, I, I have to believe that many law firms that have experienced how productive their teams can be in a distributed work from home environment are going to scratch their heads about the, the thought of moving everyone back to their million dollar a year lease in downtown Manhattan or wherever the, uh, wherever their, their main bricks and mortar location may be. Something that's always struck me a little bit odd about the legal space is, is the fact that we draw this really sharp line between bricks and mortar and, and virtual. And, and even you know, I'll, I'll make what is maybe a, a controversial statement, but you know, is, is the whole concept in legal that we delineate between virtual and bricks and mortar, that we even have a term like virtual law firm, almost problematic in and of itself. And, and if you look at the rest of the many other industries, for example, like, uh, like commerce and, and e-commerce, you have a, a physical storefront and you have a virtual storefront, but companies don't go out of their way to delineate those two things. You know, if, if you're buying some yoga pants at Lululemon, you, you go to their physical store or you go to their online store. They don't make a big deal about being a virtual retailer. Um, and I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts on that might be if you, if you have a perspective around whether we'll see, um, you know, the, the end game for legal as being every firm is, is virtual and it's just generally accepted that being a firm is being a virtual firm and being, there's also an ABA task force once upon a time, the e-lawyering task force that talked about the specific challenges of, for lawyers that were e-lawyers, i.e. running virtual firms versus uh, lawyers running more traditional bricks and mortar firms. And I, I've often wondered, is that, is that even a useful delineation to make? And I'd, I'd love to hear what, thoughts you may have on that topic. I, I agree that the language being used is very limiting and it, it um, divides more than it creates a culture of compromise or um, togetherness. So I, I, I think that is something to definitely keep in mind. I think what's important to consider though and the term virtual and, and I'd love for a different term too. I'm, I'm definitely open to that. And I know a lot of virtual firms don't like to call themselves virtual because they don't find that to be the right term. I think where we are trying to create a space under the virtual umbrella is to say, hey guys, you can do this in a way that's more effective, more efficient, and more financially sound than what is currently being done in the traditional space. Right. And whether that's just real estate overhead, whether that's personnel costs, um, whether that's the perks that are given to equity partners that make it much less equitable to work in that firm, you know, those are all concepts that really don't have to be under a virtual umbrella. They can be in any sort of space in which people want to operate in that fashion. And so I agree with you. It'd be great to have a different term that um, maybe you do have a brick and mortar 
office for different purposes. But the reality is you're just operating in a way that's better for the attorneys and better for the client. Well, that's a great note to, to end on. And I, I think thinking in a very client centered way and, 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 we haven't talked a lot about the client in this conversation, but I know you've got a lot of thoughts on that front as well. We'll, we'll have to pick up uh, our conversation in a part two down the, down the road and explore more of the client side of things in a virtual law firm. Uh, but I'm wondering if, if to wrap up today, if you're able to share a, a parting message uh, with our, our listeners and maybe underscore something you've, you've said already or something you didn't have a chance to say uh, at uh about your perspective on the, the crisis? Yeah, I guess I would say this, and this has been something that has been a mantra that I have heard from my friends and colleagues, and I'm trying to spread the message too, is that um, we are all gonna be stronger on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important for everyone to just keep in mind, we are facing uh, unbelievable, unfathomable challenges uh, that we've never faced in our own lifetimes. But I think we look, need to look to the lessons of the past and historic, historical events like World War II and things like that, where you saw people live through t- tremendous challenges and hardships and realize that we too are going to benefit in a positive way from this because we're going to realize what's truly important. And we're going to prioritize what those things are. And we're hopefully going to um, maybe simplify our life a little bit in a way that allows us to embrace uh, the positive things we found from this self-isolation um, in moving ourselves forward. That's a fantastic note to, to end on. Thanks so much for joining us today, Cynthia. It was a great conversation and uh, look forward to chatting again. Great. Thank you, Jack. And if you want to learn more about building a virtual law firm with Cynthia, join Cynthia and the Clio team on May 12th, where we'll be holding a webinar where Cynthia walks through Uh, the exact steps and playbook to execute against building a virtual firm. Uh, So check that out. A link will be in the show notes. Thanks for joining us on Daily Matters today, a podcast from Clio. Rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Daily Matters is produced by Andrew Booth, Sam Rosenthal, and Derek Bolin, and hosted by yours truly, Jack Newton. Thanks also to Clio, the world's leading cloud-based legal technology provider, for supporting this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Clio, please visit clio.com. 